How you doing, Chief? Easy. Wouldn't want our little friend here to wind up on the back of a milk cart now, would we? It's nice to finally meet you, man. I've had my eye on you for years. I know all about you. Your serum, Whistler, everything. Sunblock. Hey, it's a start, right? The goal, of course, is to be like you. Daywalker. You got the best of both worlds, don't you? All our strengths, none of our weaknesses. But maybe I don't see it that way. Oh, so it's back to pretending we're human again? Come on, spare me the Uncle Tom routine, okay? You can't keep denying what you are, man. You think the humans will ever accept a half-breed like you? They can't. They're afraid of you. And they should be. You're an animal. You're a fucking maniac. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That's right. Uh, we're here for another week. We got a very, very exciting show ahead. We've got a bloody good show. <laughs> we, for have, you. we have got a show. <laughs> We've for got you. a bloody show for you, Gov. <laughs> I'm not, I can't keep that up. <laughs> well, before we get into oh our... blimey, we've got a show for you. <laughs> I've got a silver nickel here. Says <laughs> we've got a play show. We have got a we've show. Got a play show. Uh, so before we get into what we each watched this week, I wanted to say that I've watched uh, only murders in the building. Oh, I watched six episodes of it, which is what's out now. Okay, so actually, are you? you're probably an episode ahead of me because I don't think I've seen the most recent. Oh, one. Oh, you haven't watched which most recent one. Um, and I didn't want to talk about this for my thing, just because we already talked about only yeah, murders sure. in the building. But how are you enjoying it at this point? Uh, I'm kind of coming in and out of liking it. Yeah. I feel like I'm enjoying it enough that I'll keep watching it. But I definitely like a couple times I've been like, "All right, where the fuck are you going with this?" I think my big so my big two big issues with the show is the acting is fucking awful in places Mm -hmm. like you know steve martin and martin chart are doing great but um selena gomez she cannot act she's real bad neither can any of the young people and basically everyone that steve martin and martin short only know old actors (laughs) yeah they're just like i don't know hire whoever because everybody over 50 is so good like nathan lane is incredible the the girl the bassoonist she's really good yeah she's really good nathan lane's amazing uh yeah and all of the young people actors look like they are lost and confused as to the tone and like uh don't know what they're supposed to be doing there the guy who got murdered is the worst of them all tim kono yeah really bad tina fey feels really out of place Mm -hmm. in the show um and i think my second biggest problem with the show is how confusing the podcast thing is yes like i really wish the premise was delivered on in a slightly more organic way. Like, you know, Martin Shore wants to produce it and like make it this big thing, but like doesn't really know how. Mm-hmm. So 
somebody who has connections like hears about it and hears their first episode and maybe puts it on a bigger channel or it just gets like discovered naturally and like yeah has like a oh my god people are finding this and hearing it and like you know having a bit of like success in that way it's a little confusing like when does the podcast come out like what kind of schedule is it on like like what does it sound like you know like what does the actual show sound like is it more of like a serial is it more of like a something like who's actually editing this yeah whose voices are heard are we hearing these little moments of like yeah it's it's a little confusing because you'd think like if you're doing a show about a podcast you'd open up with like episode three the sting yeah here's what's happening on this last episode and then you'd start going into like them figuring out the next episode or whatever right like it's such an easy structure to like have a voiceover of the podcast like next time on only murders in the building yeah. or, you know like but they don't do it and i feel like it's mostly because steve martin is old <laughs> yeah he doesn't actually know what these podcasts sound like he just knows that people listen to them yeah it's like a good idea but it's like followed through it feels a lot like um when people started making video game movies in the like eighties and nineties, oh sure, yeah, it was absolutely. Just like, what are video games or like people computer movies? Them. Like, uh, like what did War hacking games look or, like? Yeah, and exactly. Stuff. Yeah. It feels a lot like you know, stuff happens and they're in the computer. They hack the mainframe. They're hacking the Gibson. <laughs> it feels like that yeah. a little bit. I mean, obviously they know a little bit more. Like, there's references to like the serial soundtrack in mm-hmm. the soundtrack they do you know? like the f- i always love when they do like the ad drops those are very funny oh yeah 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 but just like the idea that it's called the sponsor name like the greek raps or whatever like it's like this doesn't exactly make sense and it yeah. doesn't seem like you really understand the business that you're writing about yeah it would um, be much funnier. like it would be way funnier if Nathan Lane's business is like dick pills or something like that, like <laughs> or like some kind of like wallet or whatever, like something that like right. that you would hear Mattresses, a podcast yeah. ad for, <laughs> not a chicken sandwich shop. Right. I mean, it would have made a lot more sense if he had invested in Gimlet or something and mm-hmm. was like kind of had a foot or a finger in that industry and was like. I don't, I'm not going to give it to you because you fucked me over so many times. And then he actually hears the podcast and like gives it to somebody who could, do, right. you know, there's so many ways you could have done it that would have like not changed the show because the chemistry between Martin Short and Steve Martin is great. Yeah. And I like the idea that they're like, you know, dealing with a younger person and, you know, stuff they don't understand. Yeah. And I appreciate, I feel like I talked about this last time, but I appreciate so much that like there is this young, very hot woman around them and like the the idea of fucking her is never it's on the not table. On the table, she wouldn't <laughs> be interested. Yeah, and, she and thinks they, they're lame. Yeah, and she, they're not even like lusting after her Ed, when she leaves or anything like right. that. Like they're just, it's just not part of it. Martin Short's sexuality is ambiguous. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a. They make a lot of great decisions on the show. Uh, some of them not so great. Yeah. Um, I honestly almost feel like it would just be better if they dropped the podcast altogether. But it's such a good hook. It's such like a, the whole thing of the movie is yeah, that like, like what? How do you get them together otherwise? Like, what I don't know. It? Maybe they're not making a podcast. Maybe they're just like obsessed with a podcast, and so they want to find out the case. Yeah, whatever. and they're like constantly listening to these podcasts and like coming up with more stupid, harebrained ideas based on them. Yeah. You could do it a couple different ways. Yeah. Um, but 
unfortunately, it is slowly becoming a very mediocre uh, whodunit rather yeah. than a fun concept that's like being that's what it feels like really is that it's like losing like the the winder is just coming out of the sails as it goes yeah um and it's starting to lose steam uh because it's also a steamboat <laughs> <laughs> wind boats steam i don't know it could get i mean i i every time they drop some new information i'm like what did happen right like i still am intrigued by the mystery it seems like it's gonna be a fun mystery and i'm not exactly sure what happened it seems it could still go a couple ways yeah um and that's really all that's holding it afloat for me and i'm just sort of disappointed that the podcast hook for me didn't like doesn't seem to really be going anywhere yeah because it's like are they gonna get good careers now now, what they really could have done is, like, actually had, like, the My Favorite Murder ladies come on and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, have, like, interesting fan service and, like, they meet the Last House on the Left guys and have no idea what their deal is or whatever, right, you know, like, yeah. just putting in little, like, stuff like that might be fun. But, uh, yeah, they're not really interested in that. Yeah. So, I thought that was a little disappointing. So, what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I saw a trailer for the trailers new... are movies. Well, so <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> getting there. Uh, I saw a trailer for a new Netflix documentary called um, I think it's Genius, spelled ah, out the weird. Kanye. The Kanye documentary. Hell yeah! Did you see the the little clip they did? Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. him and Most Def doing like a a acapella of uh, two words, mm-hmm. and it's really cool and it's really enjoyable. And so it kind of got me feeling really nostalgic for that era. And so I went and I rewatched for the first time in many years, uh, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is... Which I've never seen. You've never seen it? Uh-uh. Oh, you should watch it. You'd absolutely love it. I bet I would. Um, so for folks at home, if you've never heard of this before, Dave Chappelle is a comedian. And he, uh, he at the, you know, in the two th- early 2000s, had arguably the biggest comedy show of the time period right of possibly the 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 century like yeah he, he was on he was on a level of celebrity and cultural penetration that i don't think even seinfeld really achieved yeah and if not i mean at the very least they're like neck and neck the two of them right. like those are two of the most culturally significant comedy shows of all time right um, we're talking huge like and what's crazy is that seinfeld took a long time to get there and Chappelle show was there like from day one well it was only two seasons it was only two seasons (laughs) and then he quit and um so so you probably know who we're talking about you probably know what we're talking about but so during the time that he was making the Chappelle show he decided to get uh michelle gondry to make a short documentary film with him uh where he basically just got all of his favorite hip-hop and and r&b artists uh who had done musical performances on Chappelle show this is something that younger people who didn't catch Chappelle show when it was on won't know because the subsequent dvd releases never had the musical guests on them what because they couldn't get the licensing right or whatever uh, oh so that's weird yeah which is crazy because like that show had some of the, the coolest like not just like best stuff like the the music was fantastic but like they also had like a lot of fun filming them yeah like uh they would do like fun concepts like uh they would like rent out like some weird space and just have them performing in it mm-hmm. he did carpool karaoke before james corden yep he did uh, he got most deaf rapping to a cd in a car for one of them um anyway so it's like 
all these artists who had done musical performances on Chappelle show, he got them all together and he just did a block party in, in Clinton Hill. And, um, Oh, I didn't even realize it was in Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh boy. It's in Clinton Hill. It's right near the broken angel house. And, um, really? Oh, the broken uh, broken angel, angel house, house is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's featured very prominently. And, um, ever been in there? No, it's gone now. It got torn down. Um, I'm glad I snuck in there when I could, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it uh so it it, otherwise the the documentary is like very loose it's not really it's mostly a performance like it's mostly just seeing them play uh yeah it's a concert documentary and and we're talking about like early kanye west we're talking about most deaf talib kweli uh common the fuji's common yeah the fuji's reunite for it which is insane which i hear they're going to do again i heard they're going to do it again yeah and that is very sick uh even though they're all very old yeah Uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, it is just like a dead prez is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all these artists who are like not necessarily at peak form, but they are like On just a couple. Yeah. They're just a couple years off of it where it's either they're a couple years away from being huge or they're a couple years after being huge. Right. And it's this weird little middle period where everybody is kind of not nobody but they're not exactly like the biggest names in the world but they're like the people that dave Chappelle loves and so there's this like real sense of joy in all of it and like happiness and like it's just a really nice watch i really would recommend anybody who likes hip-hop and comedy even in the least it's a good ass watch is there comedy yeah you see a little bit like dave will do like some skits here and there um he does like little bits where um uh the opening of it is very funny it's just him there's some dude just like trying to help a guy uh, fix his car and like dave is just like looking over his shoulder and just like being weird and awkward behind <laughs> him <laughs> and they just hold on that forever <laughs> <laughs> so what is the direction like i mean michelle gondry is generally considered to be a very you know interesting experimental guy yeah so like what is it is that a, is there anything in it that feels like a gondry film uh a little bit i mean there's definitely like i'd say most of that sort of stuff is in the editing there's a lot of fun Mm. overlaying of like music in that bleeds through to other scenes where like they get like the instrumental track of all these songs and like they'll kind of like have it bleeding into like a scene of of like dave in ohio in the town that he lives in like talking to people around town um just being like hey i you know i'm doing this show in bedsty and like if i if I give you a bus ticket, like I'm chartering a bus, and if I <laughs> if if I give you a seat on the bus, and if I if I pay for a hotel room for you, like will you come to my show? It's this weekend, and it's all these people being like, "Yeah, sure, man." Like, of course, yeah, you know, because he like lives in that like little town in Ohio, and like it's a small town, and everybody knows him and loves him, and so everyone's just like, "Sure," and like so you're like following them around, you know is like it's like an old white woman being like i don't know what to wear to a rap concert what should i wear and she's like <laughs> looking through all her clothes and stuff <laughs> that sounds fun he like comes across a marching band and he's just like what are you guys doing this weekend and they're like they're like we're supposed to be playing at a football game he's like okay if i charter you guys two buses and and you know pay for your your lodging or whatever will you drop that and like come and play at my show and there's like a really nice scene where like the guy who directs the band is like on the phone clearly with like the sports director or whatever like, of the school being I like, I really want to do this. Yeah. Like, so. come on, man. Like, this is going to be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
and like finally it's Dave Chappelle and he he like it's 2006 yeah he, he makes a whole meal of it where he's just like he's like listen guys like I have bad news you know like we, we we've had to you know reschedule a couple of things and because we're oh because he didn't ask because we're going to Brooklyn and everyone's like ah! And then oh, they play. This fun. is the sickest part of the whole concert for me. Uh, is Kanye opens the show? By the way, this is like the first Jesus. year that College Dropout is out. Like, oh, he's, right, he's not. He's just Kanye. getting hot. He's just starting to pop, and uh, so he opens the show, uh, marching in with the marching band. Oh my god! And the marching band is playing the fucking the the Jesus walks bump 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 bump. <laughs> so fucking cool man what a what an absolute star and then so like throughout the whole thing it's like the backing band of everybody is the roots um, yeah yeah yeah. and so i i don't know how this worked in real life i have to imagine everybody played like two or three songs because otherwise like the roots would be so tired <laughs> by the end of the fucking show the roots are crazy they just play all the time but i mean you're talking about like seven eight sets i mean that's a lot <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Um, they had to have been like a couple songs each or something like that. Right. Um, Probably shorter sets. Like yeah. 15, 20 minutes, maybe. But, yeah. But man, like just some really, really fantastic performances. One of the funniest things, though, is that Common, he doesn't get a song. Like you don't see a full Common song. Okay. But he features all the time. Like, You'll just be oh, in the middle like, <laughs> of just like somebody else's song and just Talent common Chloe. is just like out there and he is like the biggest, lankiest body and like yeah. his his on stage thing is like he does these gigantic squats as he's rapping. And so <laughs> he just like and he's wearing this like ridiculous outfit with these like plaid pants and like a sweater vest and like a big <laughs> fucking stupid hat. Um, so how many songs do you get of each of the bands? Just one? Uh you'll see like depending on who it is, you'll get like one or two um kanye gets like three um is it jump around or is it three kanye songs in a row no no it jumps around like oh um it's all over the place it's it's a weird kind of non-linear sort of order that it's told in which i i would say is a pretty interesting decision as well for this kind of thing um dead prez fantastic really really good uh the version of hip-hop they play is so fucking good the guitarist is just wailing on it just like (laughs) really loud fucking distorted guitar on it um and uh uh uh, also just like really cool decisions that like you start to realize like how sick Chappelle really was back then just politically even because like in the middle of uh, the black star performance, by the way, that's most definitely tell quality do a black star performance. Yeah. Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal at the time is. also. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the middle of it, Fred Hampton jr. Just comes out. Oh, nice. And they're just like, <laughs> they just like let him just go off for a little while. And he's like just doing some Fred Hampton jr. Shit uh, in the middle of their set. And then, that's just there <laughs> <laughs> nice and like dead prez gets like a whole section where like dave is like on the roof just being like man dead prez like they don't play that shit on the radio because they'd get in trouble but <laughs> they should <laughs> it would be nice if they did <laughs> um yeah very sick also just a weird feeling to watch this and be like so many of the people like it's such an outpouring of joy right and it's such a joyous experience to watch and then you realize that like 
only a few years after this, like so many of these people are just like chewed up and destroyed. Like just thinking of like, because I've been thinking about Kanye a lot lately um, because of, there was a very good, uh, Feek the Signifier did a very good essay on him. I haven't watched that one. Very worth watching. Um, But also like, thinking about him in, in, in relation to Britney Spears as these two people who have been like publicly unwell for such a long time. And the Uh way that like Britney Spears gets treated differently as a white woman than Kanye does as a black man. And, and I mean, sure they've like done different things and, and, and have manifested these things in different ways, but I feel like Kanye gets so much less sympathy than Britney Spears does. And anyway, the point is that I'm just thinking of like how, you know, Chappelle very shortly after this kind of like has his flip out where he disappears to Africa. Like most deaf is yeah, just like oh, yeah. living in Africa. Now he's Yassine Bay now, but he also like anytime he appears now, he doesn't seem well. He seems like he's like maybe like drunk or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with him, but he doesn't seem like he's doing okay. Right. It just yeah, was, this was filmed actually before he decided not to do Chappelle's show season three. Right. Which was a $50 million offer. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like we said, he was the biggest comedian show of all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it does seem like right on the precipice of like letting it all shake up heart. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it kind of made me think about like why all of these men had been kind of destroyed. Like, was it like seeing like Fred Hampton Jr. come out and seeing like this like very specifically political bent to this that is like right. too joyous and too fun and too just like like infectious to turn away from? It's not really the kind of thing that anybody could look at and be like, ugh, Chappelle getting political again. It's just no, yeah. it's just fun. And and his show was so much like that too. And and so much of it was like seeing the way that people interact with his comedy in this movie is interesting. And like, you just kind of start thinking like, maybe there is something to the idea that like what he was doing was transgressive in a way that was not really tenable by the mainstream. And no, absolutely. And, and I mean, I people think... like Kanye West, like what he was doing was not tenable by the mainstream and like all these, like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is a conspiratorial thinking that there isn't really like a necessarily like a specific thing to point to because like Kanye specifically, like, you know, his mom died and his girlfriend broke up with him. Like he has a very specific node where you can see where he went off the rails. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not really like a, you know, you can't really be like the CIA killed his mom. (laughs) No, not as a whole, but I mean like Chappelle, especially and like all this stuff feels like it got like mutated mm-hmm. where there's like i feel like there was a point right before ferguson where like black media was becoming radical in a really subversive way mm-hmm. um like afropunk was starting um and you know this sort of like this sort of mainstreaming of pan-african like revolutionary black nationalism these little concepts like in a very clandestine way were being put out there in the early 2000s late you know mid 2000s yeah and then it felt like there was a like one 
Ferguson happened, it felt like there was this like sharp drop off. And it was like that stuff kind of all got captured by like the mic.com like, yeah, <laughs> like think pieces. Like now everything needs to be woke in, the, in a specific way that is palatable to white people and actually isn't subversive, but all kind of got turned into um, really after Obama like got turned into this sort of like, well, black person is president. We need to have black CEOs and we need to have black, you know, cops and stuff. And like right. that's really, it was just about representation. And I feel like all the people in this movie just like stopped being on TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I don't know why. Exactly. Except for Kanye West. Kanye West went in the opposite direction of all of this. Right. But was, you know, mentally destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's still very successful. But uh, and only getting more successful, only getting seemingly. more successful. <laughs> um, but you know, to the point where he's like wearing MAGA hats because I feel like while where Kanye is not about like I think he's driving himself insane by trying. This is a very weird theory, but I think he's driving himself insane by trying to use his fame in a positive way and realizing that he's being thwarted at every turn. <laughs> right. Um, even in small ways, like just trying to get one guy out of prison. Yeah. Like you can't do that. You can be a billionaire in America. And if you want to do something that goes against like the power of the state, you're like still not allowed. Um, and I think that's making him go lose his fucking mind. <laughs> I would really, really honestly, everybody I would recommend watch the, the feek, the signifier, uh, essay about him it's only a part one he's going to do a part two but it's it's a very interesting framing of the kanye west story uh through the terms of of wrestling where he's talking about like face turns yeah exactly turns. like face and heel turns and how like kanye's career up until um uh 808s is is the story of a face right it's yeah. building up a face where like he starts in this like in this place of of you know getting fucked up in the car crash and whatever and and anyway underdog american dream yeah, exactly and then and then he gets to this point where it's like every face every great face has a heel turn absolutely and that's a big part of the story as well and and then the next half of the the essay i assume will be about his heel years that he's in now and kind of this like the the way that he frames it basically is like why people haven't given up on kanye why a certain type of person hasn't given up on Kanye yet. Why? And yeah. it's and it's saying basically like he was a face, he's a heel now, and anybody who understands that sort of story structure knows like he's going to come he's back. He's going to have a face yeah. turn again <laughs> and we're all waiting for it. Well, I mean, the thing about me is like uh the reason I haven't like given up. I mean, it's like he makes great art. He still makes great he's, art. Well, yeah. But also, I think he's right on a lot of things. <laughs> like, there's this thing that I read in uh, maybe Gawker way back in like 2010 or something that mm -hmm. was like, it was like written by a guy who was saying like why it makes me uncomfortable when people call Kanye West crazy. Yeah. I don't remember the exact title, but it was like this sense of like, you don't know what's going on in Kanye's life. You don't know what he's like doing and like just calling a black guy crazy because he's behaving in a way that you don't understand is very dangerous. Yeah. Um, like not just for Kanye, but like if you're not a millionaire celebrity, like that's an assumption a lot of people make because people are, you know, angry or people mm -hmm. are worried and stressed and they're like, that person's acting crazy. And it's often, you know, a very racist assumption. 
And while Kanye seems to actually have bipolar disorder or whatever, mm-hmm. like being in the situation he is in seems like the contradictions are immense. He's in a he's in a crazy making position where he should be able to do anything, but he can't do anything. Right. And he has no control over his life. Um so I'm very interested interested to see where that leads him because he's he's too far gone to be like subsumed back into the culture mm-hmm. or like to in back into like the elite, you know, or just like being a normal celebrity. Um I kind of thought when he started doing his gospel turn that that was going to be his face turn. Like I kind of thought when he started bringing spirituality yeah, back idea. into yeah. his art that that was going to kind of be when cuz that's really what it is, right? Is it's like it's the thematic parts of his work is kind of where you see this really manifest right is Mm -hmm. like his early work is so rooted in like family and spirituality and like humility and and vulnerability and then like his work after 808s is all just like this bombastic sort of like i'm an untouchable god figure yeah that's really what it is right and it's like kind of the gospel turn i was like oh maybe that's gonna kind of be it but it does not seem like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've still got a couple of ways we've to go. We've still got a few more of these to work out. Donda was proof that that was not it. I was going to say, when I heard Don, like he named it after his mother and like it's a divorce album. And I was like, okay, here we go, man. Let's bring him back down to earth. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Um. Oh, what did you watch this week? Should I say mine? I only have three minutes. Yeah, let's just quickly. <laughs> what did you watch? Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, Irving Kirshner, The Eyes of Laura Mars. Oh. Have you heard of this movie? No, I know Irving Kirshner, though. Uh, yeah, Irving Kirshner directed Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a lot of weird movies <laughs> um, before that. Uh, I believe that this was um, the movie that... Uh, lucas saw a rough cut of and was like he's got a direct empire Mm -hmm. um so this movie is uh from 1970 uh 1978 um yeah it's two years before empire strikes back um excuse me um he uh so this movie is really weird um i i actually don't actually want to say that much about it um, because it takes a couple of weird twists and turns. But the things I will say about it is it's written by John Carpenter. Oh, wow. And it's um, the same year as Halloween. Interesting. It, it came out the same year. So he wrote this movie, and then I, I don't know what how it all worked, but he also was making Halloween for $300,000, his, his second film, mm-hmm. um, his second directorial film. Uh, and it was about to be a huge hit and make a hundred, like two hundred million more dollars than this movie did. <laughs> um, but this movie is a really interesting little thriller, supernatural horror thing um, that came out in '78, um, and it stars Faye Dunaway as a sort of chic Soho bohemian fashion uh, photographer. She's like okay. an artist. She's like a damien hurst artist type person um she is taking photographs of like very violent sexual like fashion scenes like it'll be like a naked woman with like a like a boa and then like a man in a in a in a 
tuxedo and they're wearing like gold watches like very 80s sure, yeah. like she their hair is crimped or stuff and their eyes are like wide open they're covered in blood and like laying in the middle of Times square or whatever okay like these really you know 70s 80s like shock things yeah and this is her art and uh the the news is being like she is this is disgusting degeneracy and mm. people are like no it's brilliant or whatever and she's got this new book coming out called the eyes of mars okay um and this detective tommy lee jones in a very early role looking very young but very weird <laughs> um uh is investigating her and you don't know why at first um but during the opening of her gallery um someone she knows is killed um, okay and s- basically what you learn is is that during the show her eyes she was shown the eyes through the eyes of the killer who killed her friend and so then the next week something she's like doing a shoot and she has to stop shooting because she can't see because she's seeing through the eyes of the killer who's killing another person. Oh. So there's a serial killer that when he kills, she's like psychically linked. And is seeing the eyes of this person killing. Oh, wow. And so she's seeing her friend like doing stuff in their kitchen or whatever. Right, and the killer's yeah. like hiding. And she's like screaming and like what the fuck but she's screaming in real life she's screaming in real life but she's not there she's right. just seeing their their apartment where they're about to die and then they're like stabbing their eyes out damn um so really interesting premise and very then, interesting premise and then uh tommy lee jones basically is on the case of like this killer who's killing her friends and he doesn't suspect her but he explains that like have you ever seen these pictures before and he like shows her these images of um, real crime scene photos that are exactly like her art. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it'll be like uh, crime scene photos of like a guy like hanging halfway off of the bed and a woman naked. And and it's like you released this piece last year. It's exactly the same. But there's like a pretty watch Whoa. or something. Um, so this is just the first like 20 minutes Dude, of the movie. hell yeah. So it's... I'm very interested. I don't know how the fuck <laughs> George Lucas watched this and was like, yeah, dude, any absolutely. Sense. <laughs> absolutely, Empire Strikes Back. It doesn't make any sense, but it is 1978. It's in New York. Beautiful Oh, lots Soho, of good New York, I'm sure. Amazing Soho stuff. Lots of cool like uh, bridge, uh, not bridges, um, big uh docks like huge stuff that i'm not sure is even there anymore oh like yeah, these yeah, big yeah green docks where they sh- they're shooting uh-huh. lots of cool they like that's sh- probably the um that's probably where brooklyn bridge park is now oh you might be right yeah um lots of good uh lots of great soho stuff i still recognize it's really interesting mm-hmm. um they shut down columbus circle for a shoot um so new york wise awesome good movie wise, new york movie wise very tense interesting um really well done yeah i'd like to check this out this sounds very cool i won't say anymore um but i will say that the ending is not the best the explanation for oh do they explain it no no no. they don't explain it well that's the thing they don't explain it and i was like the ending is like wait what and i had to like think about it for a while and i don't necessarily get it it's like just be prepared to be like a little confused mm-hmm. and just enjoy the movie as a very suspenseful giallo slasher. Right. Um, that has a really cool premise. 
that is paid off pretty well, um, explored greatly. Like the whole movie is a blast to watch. Yeah. The ending is a little confusing and strange. Um, but I won't say more than that. Tommy Lee Jones is a joy. He's basically the of same course. character as the fugitive. Nice. Um, but he's young and has more fun with it. Um, <laughs> and it's a good time. And he's like a New York version of it. So it's no, like. No, he's not. He has like the fucking Southern accent. Oh, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> I want eyes in every hen house, whorehouse, and <laughs> vegan queer collective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bauhaus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very boho yeah i don't want you boys using words that have no meaning <laughs> yeah it's a really cool movie um it, i'd never really heard of it i i'd never seen any of Irving kirshner's movie besides besides from empire yeah um so it's cool to see this movie and you know he does a great job um brad duroff is in it really young brad duroff wow um as the guy you're almost certainly is thinking is going to be the killer because he's Brad Dourif and he's right. just like shifty all the time. Um, he's great. Uh, so yeah, good time. Also, Odo from D- Deep Space Nine plays like this gay <laughs> director. Uh, really strange. Uh, but yeah, definitely highly recommended uh, with the caveat on the ending could have been better. Right. Um, but still highly recommended. So let's get into the movie we watched. Let's get to it. Let's get fucking to it. Uh, this was unintentionally a very good precursor to uh, our coming month. Yeah. No, it's going to be. I, I was just thinking about that while I was watching it, uh, that it it feels like a good little dip your toe in. Yeah. So we can, I mean, we can just say we're going to, for the whole month of, of October for <laughs> spooky season. I'm not sure why we're doing this, but I'm. <laughs> so excited about it um there is a series called underworld uh starring kate beckinsale Mm -hmm. uh came out in like 2001 and there are five of them yes we are going to watch four of them we're gonna watch four (laughs) every week we'll be be doing the next one yeah underworld 2 underworld (laughs) rise of the lichens (laughs) well so what's interesting about this is i i learned on the wikipedia today that there was a planned crossover I know. Of Blade and Underworld. I know. Uh, but they never did it. They never did it. It really But it should. feels like a match made in heaven. This is the same type of movie. Yeah. Except there's werewolves in Underworld. Uh, this is... Okay. So, I mean, I haven't seen Underworld yet, so I don't know if it's sick or not. But... Uh, I don't know if, if you like it. I'm just going to go ahead I and say... I don't know if it'll say. Blade is so sick. Blade <laughs> is very... So, we're today, this week we're doing Blade, as you know. It's the original Blade. Uh, directed by Stephen Norrington and written yeah. by David S. Goyer, who never wrote anything good. After my this. <laughs> uh, my my first ever R-rated movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. This is the first one. Yeah. In the in the theater, or just at all. In the theater, it was at a uh, my friend's sleepover birthday party. We went to the movies to see Blade, and then we went to his house. Damn! I wish I could remember my first R-rated movie. I mean, I don't think it was it the was first like a, one that I ever saw, but it was no, definitely no, no. the first one in the theater. I remember watching Akira when I was like eight years old and being like, what mm-hmm. the hell? Uh, <laughs> but I definitely, I remember like going and being like 17 and being like, hey, I'm allowed to see an R-rated movie now. Right. But I don't remember the first one I actually saw. Damn, I wish I could remember it. Um, whatever. Not the point. You Not remember the point. It. <laughs> you remember it and yours was Blade and that's what we watched. Yeah. This guy has directed nothing else. 
Really? Did you know that? I didn't know that. He directed a movie called Death Machine <laughs> before this in 1994. Okay. And then after Blade, he directed something called The Last Minute. Okay. Which is, I've never heard did of. Did he like, did he die or something? Um, No. Because I'm surprised. Cause He's it's alive. Like, it's a really successful movie, I'm pretty sure. I, you, oh, yeah. It was very... Um, it was a huge hit and, and it looked good. So I think what happened was he direct the last thing he directed was the leave of extraordinary gentleman, mm. and I think it just tanked his career because yeah, it that, was such a flop. That was such a fucking flop. It's a bad movie. Uh, they were like he was going to helm the Clash of the Titans movie, the remake. Mm. Uh, he was going to helm a reboot of the Crow. Damn. Uh, he was, oh, he could have done the fucking Crow. That would have been good. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, 57 now and yeah, hasn't directed a movie over, since. Yeah. <laughs> probably over for you, dude. Probably. Sorry, Stephen Norrington. But at least once he made a sick ass movie called Blade. Yes. So had you ever seen Blade before? So I don't know. There was. A, <laughs> Come on. You got to know. It's so long ago that I know I've seen like watching it. I was like, oh, I definitely remember this part. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I would have seen it if I hadn't actually watched the movie. But I don't know. Like the part where they are burning Pearl, like that I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't think they would have shown that on TV. So I don't know. Maybe I watched it on TV one time and I was drunk or something. Right. But I don't really remember. Um, It felt like I hadn't seen it in full. I definitely hadn't seen it in full. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was fun to see this. Yeah. Uh, so this is the year before The Matrix. Yes. And That's a, a very important <laughs> thing to bring up. Uh, the, my letterboxd review of this was literally just Blade walked so the Matrix could run. That's true. This is very much a, like, you have to imagine the Wachowski sisters are watching this movie just being like, oh, hell yes. Hell We're stealing yes. that. Like, We're stealing that. Yeah, exactly. Because they're probably <laughs> in the middle of development when this is in the theater. So they're probably like on a night off of yeah. filming or something going to see Blade and being like, dude, fuck yes this is exactly people it. are gonna like it this is it this is our fucking like they're shit. about to shoot the movie yeah and they're like "Ooh, we could add we could add this and like yeah damn i wish we could give morpheus a katana next movie <laughs> 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 um yeah i mean it really feels very inspirational yeah um and i don't know if that's a sort of like many brains like doing similar things at the time taking anime but that this movie is like one of the only movies I've ever seen that besides the matrix that feels like a live action anime, Mm -hmm. like just all of his different weapons and idea. Like he never kills the same, a person the same way twice. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's quickly run through. Okay. So quick, quick plot synopsis. If you've never seen blade before, right. Blade is uh, Wesley Snipes. Mm -hmm. He is a, uh, he is a day walker, half vampire type, uh, which means that his mother was like halfway turned to vampire when he was born. Right. Uh, so he has vampire blood in him, but he's not exactly a half vampire, but he's not exactly a, he has all the powers of a vampire, but none of the weaknesses. Exactly. Yes. And he, so he's a, he's a extra vampire, but like doesn't have to drink blood. Right. But he sort of does. And it's slowly becoming, it's slowly becoming more a problem for him that he has to drink blood. Which he doesn't want to do. He's got serum. He puts garlic in his veins so yeah. he doesn't turn into a vampire. Um, and so he and his buddy Whistler uh, are vampire hunters. Uh, yes, Chris Christopherson. They are vampire hunters and they um, they kill vampires and um, 
that's kind of their whole thing and we don't really learn until pretty far into the movie like why they kill vampires why are the vampires bad (laughs) like watching it this time because i've seen this movie a few times watching it this time i was really struck by how far into the movie we are before you even really have a sense that the vampires have done anything wrong except (laughs) for being vampires that's because otherwise an interesting he's point. just like doing Christchurch every day <laughs> <laughs> just walking into a room and yeah the opening scene is him at a rave just gunning people down mercilessly right. and they all do I mean you're sort of like I think the only reason that scene works as not like a horrific thing is because everybody turns into ash yeah like they'll get shot in the head and then just like their whole body will turn in you know they'll just cinder into ash and they disappear like a video game um so it doesn't quite feel like (laughs) there's not a mountain of bodies like (laughs) like in the Christchurch video Uh, um yeah um, it's it's fucking wild it's like an empty room at the end yeah um and you he cleared the level it feels like more than just like created (laughs) hundreds of dead people um, so 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 he but, but you're right having not seen this movie i was very struck by the complete lack of like info dumps yeah like the movie starts you see uh like i'm inferring after decades of vampire movies like what's happening like i've seen twilight i've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. in interview i've seen all these movies like a baby is born she's dying she reaches out and then we just cut to him killing people and then <laughs> and then like a like so the doctor is uh yeah so one of the vampires gets rushed to the hospital and she's like working on a on a vampire and he like wakes up oh yes this is very important the vampire who gets uh there's a vampire called um Oh, what is his stupid little name? Oh, it's you the, mean Dolan's it's the, character? Yeah, it's Quinn. The, it's the dad from Grounded for Life. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, Donald Logue. Yeah, he's uh Quinn is his name, yes. Quinn, yeah. Uh Quinn is is the kind of like sidekick vampire to Deacon Frost, who's the main baddie. Mm-hmm. And uh we are introduced to him <laughs> in the rave scene at the very beginning, getting his dick sucked yeah. big time. <laughs> 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 Just in the corner of the club. <laughs> Yeah, titty in his mouth, <laughs> dick being sucked, two girls, and then he just never, gets it's a, killed. It's just one of those details that I just had never noticed before. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not notice? It's right in the frame. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but here, but what I'm saying is, is like, I shouldn't explain it this way because it's so confusing if you do it like the movie because you don't really understand what the stakes are, what's going on until like probably a third of the way into the movie yeah basically she the doctor the the blood doctor she gets rescued by blade and um yeah she gets bit by quinn and then rescued by blade right yeah so and then blade brings her back to his little headquarters mm -hmm. uh which is at a very cool industrial location (laughs) um and uh they inject her with some garlic yeah to save her to save her uh, and then she just kind of like is hanging around for the rest of the movie. But then they explain. They're like, there are vampires. We're at war. Yeah. Vampires are everywhere. They own the cops. They own businesses. They're functionally the elites. Yes. Um, And everybody, you know, you can't go to the police about this. There's no, you know, they run everything. 
they're and we're at war with them we're the hunters and we're trying to kill them yes and uh here are the rules about vampires crosses don't do anything garlic does do something they can't do light and silver works yeah and and um, steaks work steaks just yeah, any yeah, sort yeah. of steak any through steaks, the heart will but work. definitely silver steaks which blade uses a lot yeah um a lot of his guns are outfitted to uh silver steaks although i thought silver was a werewolf thing but apparently in this is this too it's this whatever so, <laughs> you gotta use guns you gotta use guns silver bullets work yeah um yeah but no holy water no crosses yeah um religion that doesn't work that's not real <laughs> vampires real might as Sunlight. well might as well try to uh get them with the flying spaghetti monster yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so yeah that's the stakes basically is that they're trying to um she's trying to help find a cure for herself and also for blade Chris Christopherson's family was killed by vampires. He hates them. He makes weapons. Yeah. He basically modifies submachine guns into handguns for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, that can also shoot stakes. Very cool shotgun as well. Benelli. A uh, good one. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. Lots of great guns in this one. Very cool guns. Very cool guns. Um, and I like too that like in in a similar spirit to how Blade never kills somebody the same way twice. They also keep escalating how insane his weapons are throughout the film. <laughs> like his sword is is a big part of his character as well. He always has the sword. Katana, yeah. Um, but by the end of it, he's got like crazy Turok head explodey things, <laughs> <laughs> which are like given the most minimal explanation where she's just like, hey, I found this blood medicine that when you mix it with vampire blood, it explodes <laughs> big time. <laughs> and he's like, nice. <laughs> Yeah, give me some vials of that shit. It's also important to note that like Wesley Snipes is an absolute king. He's an incredible actor with a very wide range that he does not get enough credit for. That's but in true. this movie, his line reads are bananas stupid. <laughs> I love him, but they're so bad. Everything he says is just like, nice. He's Batman. Cool. He, he's doing, he's basically doing Michael Keaton's Batman. Or uh, Christian Bale's Batman. No, that hadn't happened yet. I know, but I mean, like, well, so Michael Keaton's Batman doesn't really like doesn't growl, growl as much. Like, uh, he's like Christian Bale is ripping this off of anything. Like, sure, but every single thing that Blade says is just like maybe four words at a time. It's like, that's cool, man. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I don't suck care. my dick, vampire. <laughs> no. <laughs> His final line when he kills Deacon Frost is the most like. <laughs> asinine thing in the world do you remember he so we'll get to the end of it but like but but his line readings are his his last his final line after killing the big bad is he says some motherfuckers always trying to skate uphill (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) which makes no sense apparently apparently the director just heard him say that once like wesley snipes in like regular conversation yeah he said that and he was just like you gotta say that you gotta say that in the movie <laughs> and he's like all right sure. i guess what does that mean <laughs> in this context some motherfuckers always gotta skate uphill yeah okay so <laughs> it's weird so so yeah so he they're they're 
at war with the vampires. Deacon Frost is the big bad. He's like a hot 90s guy with like the cool 90s guy haircut. He's Steven he's, Dorf. He's very hot. <laughs> it's a big part of his character. He is sexy, but he's, he's... It's also important to note that the vampires in this movie are like wildly horny in a way that vampires... Uh, I know vampires traditionally are horny. Very horny. But I mean, this is like a level of horniness that like I've never seen because there's no... It's, it's not tempered with any suaveness there's no like romance okay, in their no, horniness it's just saying. this like animalistic horniness that like once blood comes into the equation they're just all Rock like hard. just like just dick on turbo yeah. hard <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> licking each other's faces and shit <laughs> they like say the dumbest things <laughs> Yeah, like when uh, when when Quinn like smells the blood in the temple, he's just like, "I'm gonna be a naughty guy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, you know, interview, which we should watch sometime. We should watch that. Yeah. Um, interview is very horny, uh-huh. exceedingly hom- homoerotic. Yeah, and but you're right. There, it's like you say, it's tempered with like dignity and like refinement yeah like, there's like a there's like, like a romance and like a suaveness maybe and like, romance but de- suave definitely like d- definitely like well we're hoity-toity and i'll suck your fucking dick <laughs> no but this is like this is like this is what it's funny though is that i think that uh dolan dolan logue got this role because of x-files oh really and there's a as there's an episode of x-files i think where he plays a vampire that is way hornier than this <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the stupidest x-files episodes you know what it is 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 vampires traditionally are like a foreplay horniness and that's right and, and this, this is, is like, a like midway through this is like <laughs> like you're already now. yeah like the the boundaries are um, already broken yeah we're you're, in. you're inside me <laughs> I'm saying insane shit yeah. that I don't really mean. <laughs> Bring me the blood, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to rule the fucking world. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a good time. And they're having a great time. They're having a uh, great time. But what's funny is there's like, okay, so that's, but that's specifically Frost's crew because the old guard there's like a an implied old guard right oh Where yeah there's, the, there's the pure true blood the, or, yeah, the, yeah. Pure, the pure blood vampire which honestly that distinction udo kier the uh the the 90s mads mickelson is in this movie and he uh is playing like sort of the leader of the vampire uh guild the sort of elite yeah. vampire guild that exists and um he is a vampire that has a lineage of vampires, meaning he was born a vampire. That did not, I did not understand that's what they meant by pure blood until right. like he got killed. Um, it's kind of a confusing movie if you're not paying strict attention. Yeah. And to they the don't lore. They don't really hold your hand very much. And they don't Which really, is cool. it's, it's cool, but it's also a little bit like it kind of gives it this very, like this very surface level sort of feeling yes. where like, there's not really much going on here. Like, you don't really get a sense of the power structure of the vampire society. You don't really know what these old guard do. Like, what are they the old guard of? Like, is <laughs> it, when Deacon Frost kills the the old guard guy, like, does he become like the president of vampires? <laughs> like, wh- what does yeah. this mean? It's very like, confusing because they're unlike which we'll talk about next week with Underworld. Um, 
that's like there's this royalty and this line of blood and this mm-hmm. is what they control and this is like it's a you know it's a fan fiction movie it's yeah, yeah, yeah. about the little things and this is like is this a business or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, is, it, is like, this all about like who owns the nightclub uh, yeah because like? they're mad at him for his nightclubs but it's like what what do you Why? want him to do yeah. what is it fucking up for you yeah like do you have money is there a cop? And it's like... Is it attracting too much attention? To what? To, to you? To like, a business. Are to, you trying to stay hidden? Are you governors? Yeah. Are you paying off city council members? I have no idea. So, and it's like not really dealt with. And it's like they quote unquote own the cops. And there's uh, introduced to the concept of a familiar, which is a human who really wants to be a vampire and is trying to prove that he's loyal to the vampires. Yeah. And that guy's a cop. And he's trying to kill the girl... Uh, for them he fails um, yeah but the main the main thing that's happening is that deacon frost is like obsessed with these old vampire the vampire bible basically the the old vampire books that are apparently in a dead language that nobody speaks anymore except for whatever reason whistler can just like read it pretty much right yeah. away <laughs> <laughs> yeah just tell blade how to say it but like uh but all these uh he's like obsessed with these books and they're like it's not worth your time but he knows how to use computers so the computer is like you know translating this old shit and there's like a prophecy of like a blood god and and he's going to turn himself into the blood god and that's right. his that's his big thing well this is part i thought it was actually pretty interesting on a conceptual level and it's a very david s goyer thing mm-hmm. like it's a very like half-assed idea that is actually really interesting but not really explored because he's a shitty writer mm-hmm. um this idea of i really loved the idea of like someone who's trying to get back to their roots because they feel that they're not really a full vampire. And so yeah. he's like really trying to... Yeah, they, they probe at that a lot, but they don't really... It's not about that. It's not... It's like it does It's weird how much people point it out and people push him about it and he never reacts to it even once. <laughs> like there's never... And it seems like all of his friends are not purebloods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole crew is, is not purebloods. But like... It's just interesting how much it's brought up for him never responding to it even yeah, once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, so you've got this idea of this guy being like, I'm trying to, exp- I want to be the real vampire. I want to be a real one. I want to be the true God. And he's exploring this sort of ancient, like, um, implied world where vampires were like the the egyptians basically yeah and like ran the world and he's exploring that with extremely futuristic technology mm-hmm. um and that aesthetically melding together is really interesting yeah um and at the end when he finally like finds the place he's got like 3d models of this like old temple and like he's like using like a uh, technology to control it again and make it work again. That's all so fascinating and barely dealt with. Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's just not, it's like conceptually there and it, it informs the aesthetic, which I think is great. Um, but it's not really what the story is about. The story is about blade, uh, kicking killing, ass. Yeah. He's yeah. Just killing vampires. <laughs> and, and, and for how, I feel like we're we're being very negative about this, but like for for how much scratching the surface this does in terms of like lore and world building and and plot development and character development for for how shallow all that stuff is, 
it is still such a good time at the movies. Like I still had <laughs> such a great time watching this. Like the action is very fun. It's very good. Like um, the choreography of the fights is pretty fucking decent. I love how like Wesley Snipes just like he feels really strong in yes. in the way that he like interacts with the other uh fighters. So so yeah, I totally agree and that's it um I don't want to be negative here. Like I'm I'm talking about his shortcomings because they're there and yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it hints at a, a a larger world that I really wanted to explore and it, it's not really interested in that. Um but its pros are massive yeah. and we haven't really gotten there yet but like this movie is directed incredibly. Yeah. Like there's something because you can watch this movie and it feels so 90s but aesthetically but what it doesn't have is like the shitty resident evil 2000s version of the 90s where it's like style for no reason Mm -hmm. like this is stylistic in a way where like each shot and like special effect and like woo, it's got a weird thing that happened is like very pointed and there's a reason like there's two dolly zooms that feel really 90s Mm -hmm. and they're like one of them is on um, the uh, woman. What's her name? The 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 girl. <laughs> Whatever. The the doctor. The doctor. Um, blood doctor. <laughs> blood doctor has like a, a a a real dolly zoom. It's not CGI. It's like this like real like Hitchcock moment where she like realizes something and it's like whoa, it's cool. And there's like cool things where like someone will put something on the table and like the camera will like tilt shift in a way that is really feels like it draws your eye and has an yeah, important yeah, yeah. reason for being there that isn't just like this looks cool or through i'm paul w s anderson I'm throwing shit at the wall because it's cool it feels uh it feels crafted um to be something that looks like a rave poster mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's 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 it has a point and uh even the stuff that like didn't age well the c g i um looks awesome it looks so sick some of it i mean like some of it looks really stupid like the, the blood the blood always the looks very looks bad bad he like cuts deacon frost in half this is at least kind of funny now it's pretty like, funny he like cuts deacon frost in half and he like <laughs> like this <laughs> huge like, putty. this huge jello mold of blood that connects him to the bottom <laughs> half of his body that then like reverses and puts him back that's kind of funny um but the the effect of like the skeleton souls like ripping out of their oh, yeah. bodies kind of sick still awesome it doesn't look great it's still it looks like a video game but like i would be pretty stoked if i saw that in a video game yeah no i mean it looks really cool <laughs> the scene um, where they uh where they bring the old guy out to die in the sunset or the sunrise oh um, yeah oh yeah that's that, the indiana jones thing yeah that effect isn't fantastic when he explodes but like the what i was really impressed there is like the vibe the vibe of that scene the mood that's set and like the the stylishness of like having them all put on those big black helmets and the stuff. big motorcycle helmets yeah it looks so cool it's a very cool scene that like you just won't see in a superhero movie now yeah no, and it's, this it's, is like very marginally a superhero movie it's really more of a comic book movie i guess but like comic book movie i mean he's a marvel property it, yeah it, there's super you know he has powers so sure um uh, but it's va- it's a vampire movie yeah um and yeah it, it's i think it's just like it's if that if they did that kind of thing it would feel tired but mm-hmm. it feels so like 
able to revel in how cool it is because it hadn't really been done yet. Yeah. You know, there's like this very goth, chic, Berlin techno vibe to the whole thing. Yeah. But even like uh, the action is really cool. Like um, when they're in the, um, they're in the train. And, oh, yes. Uh, and there's that moment where uh, Quinn is like running to them and the, and the doctor is like freaking out. She's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and then like the train is passing and he just grabs the train and her and they like yeah. fly away. <laughs> it doesn't look like believable, but it, you're like, wow, that was crazy. Of course, yeah. that's I didn't know he was going to do that. And it's like a real life anime thing. It's just yes, like, exactly. It, and it applies to anime rules. And he's just like, oh, my shoulder's dislocated. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, here, let me pop it back in for you. And he's like, great, thanks. Thank you. um so yeah and then uh we find out once so we find out that dolan is or not dolan uh frost is trying to resurrect something called the blood god and uh use this old technology to do it and uh this is where for me the movie starts to sag Mm -hmm. um the idea of the blood god is not really conveyed um they say that he's gonna like take over the world and he's going to turn everybody into a vampire and it's like wait is do you want everyone to be a vampire or do you want to rule over the humans yeah and that's not really clear about which is going to happen and then when he does i guess what actually happens is he becomes the blood god um and that seems like i guess he's more powerful but it doesn't seem like he was going to it doesn't seem like the world was going to change because yeah. of it. It's like very confusing what the stakes were there for me. And uh, that part just didn't, it kind of feels like just get to the final fight. Um, yeah, exactly. I, and I appreciate it as a power up. I mean, it, it definitely yeah. added a little more to the final battle. Um, a but thing I, that really doesn't work for me in the final battle still to this day. I remember thinking this in the movies when I saw it as a kid and thinking it again today when I watched it again, is you really needed to set up that Deacon Frost fights with a sword also. You really needed to set that up before that final fight. It's yeah. such an out-of-nowhere thing where he's just like, Blade, Good at swords. come sword fight uh, yeah. me. <laughs> You've been seeing Blade the whole movie use the sword. You know Blade uses a sword. Deacon Frost, never he's seen him a hold guy, a sword. Yeah. In fact, when he's holding Blade's sword at the, the other part, he's just like, cool i could become a sword guy maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh that that is definitely out of nowhere and feels just like we wanted to have a sword fight and that's like fine but yeah exactly you never see this is something that's very cool in this movie you never see anywhere else sparks coming off the swords does that happen yeah yeah, yeah. you see like sparks happen in real life oh i don't know i've never seen a sword fight (laughs) but it's cool (laughs) but it's cool and it makes sense you're like yeah sure metal when it hits metal it makes sparks Mm -hmm. um feels very uh star wars Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, there's a so basically like chris christopherson whistler finds out that or I actually don't know. They go and meet this really fat person. Yeah, who that's has really... like who's the keeper of the Bible or whatever, and right. then and they 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 figure it out. I think Whistler figures it out that he's he needs the Daywalker's blood to do this ritual to become the or resurrect the Blood God. From that moment on, they kill Whistler, who we haven't really mentioned. Whistler's fucking great in this movie. Great, great character. Awesome Very character. Fun. 
uh, really cool. Classic, rip, classic rip, gruff old guy. Ripped old guy, yeah. <laughs> um, which is awesome. He reminds me of Andre, the blacksmith from Dark Souls. Um, really cool. Um, and you don't really see a, a guy like that in movies as much anymore. Like a ripped old guy who's like allowed to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, he's a very unique character and I like him a lot. Um, does a great job, but he figures it out. They kill him. Uh, apparently not because in the second movie he's still alive i guess uh, yeah <laughs> um what you know you want to see whistler in the second movie but um from that point on he's like well i'm gonna go there anyway and allow this to happen yeah and it just feels kind of on rails of like hitting beats <laughs> of like well he goes there and they we of gotta course, get him to the final battle let's just of, get him there they of course have his mom is still alive and didn't die she's a vampire now and, and it's like very minimally touched <laughs> Yeah, it really, they don't like... Everything in this part is like, it's like, here's something. (laughs) They don't make a meal of that. He's just like, hmm. Oh. Damn. Damn. And then he gets captured. (laughs) And then she's like, let's make out, I guess. Yeah. Because I'm still hot. And he's he's like, you're my mom. And it's weird. And then he like hugs her. And And then then the blood doctor gets like thrown into a little pit with like a guy who we met earlier in the movie. Who's a vampire. Like X who was got killed by Quinn. Yeah. Um, But he's a zombie vampire now. That's not really explained. That's not really explained. There's also speaking of things that are never explained early on in the movie. There's just this like random little scene where like blade goes to like buy garlic from a guy oh yeah what the fuck was that about i don't know <laughs> i don't care where he gets the garlic <laughs> but it's also like you can just go to the store and yeah, buy just the garlic. go buy garlic Does you fucking idiot is it special garlic <laughs> you don't need a dealer for garlic he keeps talking about it. he's like i need to get the serum and it's like the serum is garlic it's just garlic dude you're just doing you're shooting garlic into your veins which would normally kill a person so you could just have a stockpile, get it delivered to your yeah. house. Uh, it's very unclear why that is even ever a thing. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't affect the movie at no. all. That he that he never really runs out. Or you don't see that guy again. Or so I have to imagine he's like a character in the comics or something. And like they were oh. like they were like the fans are going to go nuts if we don't if we don't include garlic dealer. <laughs> That classic Blade character. Yeah, the classic Blade character, Garlic Dealer, who we all love. Uh, but yeah, from that moment uh, where he decides to go to the Blood God like th- thing yeah, and like get captured to when he kills his mom, which is pretty anticlimactic. He's just like, you know what? Fuck you, mom. We gotta end <laughs> he it. He just fucking kills her. You're That's a vampire. It. Fuck off. Yeah. I don't care. It, he doesn't go through anything. You know, he's like no. not... Because he doesn't go through anything in the whole movie. No. He's a stoic freak. <laughs> yeah, he's a Batman. Yeah. And uh, he like, he doesn't even like do a skyward scream that he had to. Like, he's just like, yeah. all right, time to fight. <laughs> and then he goes. Um, and he is weakened for some reason and has to bite the girl. Oh, because they drained all his blood. Right. And To uh, do the blood ritual, they had to drain all his blood out. Right. So he bites the doctor. And that brings them closer. I guess. I guess there's not really much of an effect that that has, except to like it feels like an important scene, and then it isn't, and then he finally and they do the blood god thing again. This part is really cool. This huge pillar like yeah, cylinder yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, and like Quinn is going nuts and being like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck God or whatever." <laughs> 
and all the old heads are just like blowing up and turning into like skeleton cool fucking zombies, like gargoyle bats. skeleton yeah, yeah. bats. That's awesome. So then it gets awesome again. Yeah. Uh, and then the blood god happens and he gets turned into someone who basically can't be destroyed with anything except for the... He becomes Cell. He becomes, he becomes Cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you only get to see him for like three minutes. Yeah, it's a very short thing. Uh, very funny when Blade like jumps down into the cylinder place and he, they just like start playing the techno yeah. and you're just like, oh, here we go. Nice. And like, it's like, <laughs> 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 No, there's what uh they play a prodigy song where he says something it's not firestarter and it's not smash my bitch up it's like something relevant it's like my head exploded or something <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard my name is blade but it sounds exactly like every other prodigy song cool sword <laughs> black vampire <laughs> Um, it's awesome but yeah so like they do a very cool like little snap zoom into his face because like frost is just like anonymous goons go get him and like it like cuts to his face as if he's gonna be like i love anonymous goons yeah yeah. (laughs) and he has like a sick scene where he's just tearing through them and whatever and then he like immediately kills quinn and grabs his cgi sunglasses (laughs) off of his face out of midair incredible stupid Quinn is such a big character throughout this whole movie, and he's just so unceremoniously with like a fucking piano wire, just gets <laughs> garroted to death. Yeah, just turns to ash like everyone else. <laughs> Which makes you think, like, at the beginning, they kind of implied that like Blade can't kill this guy. That it was hard. That yeah. it was like hard to kill him. So he's like, maybe burning will work this time. And, and you're that like, doesn't work. No, you just were like doing that on purpose. You're just like fucking with this guy because he's annoying and kind of funny. <laughs> he has like a real like Tom Green, Seth Green, like scooby energy yeah like he's just like whoa we're gonna fucking do like there's a funny part that um i didn't there's it's it would be too hard to mention everything cool about this movie um <laughs> but there's a funny part where um he has continually got his arm cut off throughout yeah, the yeah, movie yeah, like yeah. he's always missing one arm it happens like four times at one point he's missing both hands yeah and every time he sees blade he's like hey i'm growing it back because <laughs> uh, he can regenerate because it a, like looks disgusting yeah it's all gross <laughs> I love it's like that. It's like th- it's like the middle frame in Men in Black when um, when Monk grows his head back. Oh or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just like that's what his hand looks like for a week or whatever. Um, but he finally has both of his hands, and they take Blade's sword away from him. And Frost is like, "Quinn, hold out your hand." And he's like, "Dad, they just grew it back, man. Like, what do you don't want? I don't want to do that." And he's like, "Hold out your hand right fucking now." And he's like okay and he like puts out his hand he's like shaking and then he like lines up the sword with his arm and he's like dude don't and then he like i'm just fucking with you and then he's like oh he's fucking with me and you think in a movie from the 90s that quinn would like cut him in half or something yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen doesn't he happen. actually was fucking with him. Yeah, yeah i love how much of their <laughs> scenes is them just like fucking around like being bros yeah like when they're like walking the blood doctor to her little fucking zombie chamber or whatever they're in the middle of some inane conversation about like a guy they knew who died or something. <laughs> 
I know. <laughs> They're just talking about some stupid bullshit about like, yeah, there's like a type of vampire that like really sucks. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> Is that going to be like important later or something? Not no, really. Not really. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's like while they don't make a like we say like they don't make a meal about a lot of the stuff that I wish they did. There is enough or a lot of world building like culturally, like yeah. you get glimpses into everything, and that's very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the vampires, honestly, by the end of the movie, the vampires seem way more fun than Blade. Like I, yeah. as much as like I love watching Blade tear through them and shit, and that's that's always going to make the movie much better. Like. I can completely envision a scenario where like if you missed one like if you went to the bathroom for like five minutes during this movie and you came back I could completely envision a scenario by where by the end of the movie you're just like man I hope Deacon Frost fucking whoops this dude's ass. Yeah Blade's kind of a dick (laughs) because it's like he's so self he's so self-hating yeah and he like doesn't want to do anything but wipe vampires off the face of the planet. And some of them seem like just kind of chill dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of people who are just dancing and you don't see them like kill people. And it's like assumed that they do kill humans. Right. But the movie never really sets up that that's the only option. Like, is this a Twilight world where they can drink like pig blood or yeah, like, or, or is it like true blood where like there's like a product that right. they can drink and could stuff they, could they maybe make blood drink like in true blood or, yeah. or you know whatever uh <laughs> that's never explored yeah. you're just supposed to assume that all vampires are evil and bad um which <laughs> yeah i don't know if it really sells that <laughs> like it it's sort of like Frost is an asshole, obviously. Yeah. But Quinn is just like a fun guy. Who's yeah, he's like, kind of annoying, but like, sure. whatever. <laughs> then there's like all these women vampires who just don't speak and are just like around and just like hanging out. Yeah, just, just sucking dick and stuff. No <laughs> yeah. Uh, weird. Um, and I don't know if they, I, I think I've seen Blade 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, no idea. Um, but I think they may go into that a little more in blade 2 i fucking hope um <laughs> you got two more movies you gotta explore yeah. <laughs> this a little bit blade 2 blade trinity um but that doesn't happen yeah uh, in this movie it is taken for granted that blade is the hero and uh everything he does is justified because vampires are evil right um but yeah i don't know if i buy that in this movie like i was at the end just like yeah i guess good that frost is dead and didn't do whatever blood god shit i guess <laughs> but he's like going to moscow to like kill other people yeah who are just like hello comrade what are you doing yeah <laughs> and he just kills that guy <laughs> uh it's kind of sad yeah so yeah i don't know i don't know the morality of this movie but that is not the point the point of this movie <laughs> is to show very cool kills over and over and it never gets boring, except for the little, I guess, like... His little fourth... boomerang thing I don't really care for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, just, like, the fourth act, I feel like there's, like, a dip in, like, movement. Uh, I wonder if they introduced the head explodey thing because they were, like, the fourth act is... Like, the, the, the end of this movie is starting to get a little draggy, like... We got to give him something. We got to give something new. else. Yeah. He's got to have a head exploding. What thing. if what if he has a special needle thing that blows their fucking head up <laughs> disgusting style? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's so cool. It's, it's so cool. It's straight up a Turok weapon. It's so cool. Oh yeah, it is like a Turok weapon. Yeah. Shit. 
that game had come out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just like every time it's like, let's use this new weapon. And it, it, it feels like an anime. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing really here. I mean, like, you can sort of... You what can the fuck s- was that? Did someone give me money on Twitch? What the <laughs> fuck was that? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, sorry. I I feel like there's not a lot here metaphorically. Like, you can sort of be like the vampires are elite, uh, and they do control the cops, and he's, like, railing against them, but it's like, they don't exploit anybody. They do yeah. kill people. And it's just like David S. Goyer is not smart enough to write a movie about politics, so it doesn't like <laughs> map onto anything really well. Yeah. Um, and we don't really see much demonstration of them controlling the cops. What well, we right. do, we see one cop who maybe not even actually a cop. He could just be a guy dressed as a cop. That's true. Um, which is kind of the vibe I got off of him. <laughs> but, yeah, he doesn't act like a cop. He acts like a weird like sub. Yeah. Otherwise, the only like cop that we see are shooting at blade but because he's He's out in public shooting people (laughs) (laughs) yeah frost does do bad stuff um he like tortures children and stuff yeah um but that's never really clear if everyone else does that so yeah frost is no good but that's really kind of it you know there's not a lot here to chew on they kind of even imply that within vampire society frost is not exactly seen as a savory figure everyone dislikes it like everyone is kind of like that frost guy is going too far huh? yeah they think he's a dipshit they're like we're trying to just lay low and be cool have our fucking cool ass vampire parties and like work with humans yeah he's like they, they they have a conversation like udo kier and him like have a an argument where he's like we shouldn't be buying off the humans they should be our slaves and they should be our food yeah and udo kira's like chill the fuck out man like we're trying to like live in a society uh so it doesn't seem like they should be killed i mean like i don't know yeah should they just not exist i don't know but it's just like it's so interesting because the things the little glimpses you get are so human and so much more human than blade right (laughs) like the party at the beginning i really can't stress enough it looks really fun oh yeah i'd love to go to that i'd love to go to that party dump the blood on me yeah (laughs) Yeah, everyone gets insanely (laughs) horny fucks in the blood it's a good time give me the blood (laughs) give us the blood uh yeah so it's um but despite all of that it's a very fun movie uh it never really relents till a little bit at the end and then it comes right back yeah. and gives you a great finish. Um, it's a fucking awesome action movie. I mean, I think the reason it it might not be remembered, like most people aren't talking about Blade, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's because it doesn't have a lot to chew on. It doesn't have a lot to say. And a lot of what it did really well was, I have to say, done even better by The Matrix. Yeah. Um, and that movie has a ton to chew on. Um, I'd say that uh, the Matrix doesn't do gore at all. Basically. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, there's no gore in that. Um, there's very little even body horror and stuff. So the only time I ever heard this talked about in like the mainstream film discourse was around when Black Panther was coming out, and people were saying that Black Panther was the first black superhero movie. People were like, "No Blade," and people were like, "No Blade is." And I think there is an argument to be made that Blade... What about Blank Man or Meteor Man? Yeah. So the <laughs> thing is that I, I was going to say that there is an argument to be made that Blade is a superhero. I don't think he is. 
but I think there's an the argument vampire? to be made for it. But uh, really, the problem is that this took place before everybody decided to be woke, so it uh, doesn't count. <laughs> which That's is why, true. which is why Blank Man also doesn't count, right? Or Meteor Man. Yeah. Also, that movie's very bad. <laughs> Blank Man rules. Blank Man is awesome. Meteor Man is a little tough to watch. Dude, I love Blank Man. That was like one of my favorite movies. Me when too. I, was a kid. I fucking loved that movie. Yeah. Um. So good. Um. We should watch we that. We definitely again. should watch Blank. Well, that's <sighs> maybe in November. Yeah. Maybe November will be like our stupid '90s comedy month. We'll Ooh, do this that. This is a great idea. We'll do uh, Sergeant Bilko. <laughs> Um, major pain major pain <laughs> that's streaming somewhere i keep meaning to watch it man <laughs> oh yeah dude that'll be a fun one hell yes this is what we're doing november <laughs> is all stupid 90s comedies Good. that are not remembered <laughs> that no one that if we say them to anybody under 30 they'll be like what i don't even remember the poster for yeah, that poorly remembered 90s comedies <laughs> and that's what you're signing up for yeah um but yeah so i think we both recommend this yes movie. definitely it, it, blade it, rules it's not a it's not a perfect film. It's not the best even at what it did, but it was pretty close. Yeah. I think for, for what it did, I think just people iterated to the point where it got driven into the ground, which we will talk about next week. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and for the whole month. Yeah. And all of October spooky season will be vampires and werewolves. You have that to look forward to. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll do something special for the bonuses. Yeah, too. we should do something else for the bonuses. Last year, if you weren't here, uh, if you weren't in the Patreon uh, for the bonuses last year, we did uh, four trilogies, uh, or not trilogies, franchises. We did right. Nightmare on Elm Street. We did Friday the 13th. I don't even remember what the Halloween, uh, Halloween and Final and, Destination. Yeah, that's right. And those are great and fun episodes. So if you'd like to hear those episodes, you can go to patreon.com slash generation laws and hear year old Halloween episodes. Yeah. But we will do new ones. And if you want to hear those, you can also sign up there. You, Five can, get, bucks a you month. can get every episode in the back catalog, which is like whatever number we're up to right now. It's like close to half of that number. Um, yeah. It's uh, what is this, this one seventy one eighty one eighty? So it's ninety episodes. Of yeah, probably. I'd say probably realistically closer to like eight. 80. I would bet there's eighty two. <laughs> <laughs> if think I was gonna go for a number, I'd say eighty two. Yeah, yeah. uh, eighty two episodes that you can listen to at Patreon.com/slash Generation Loss. You yep. can sign up for the the um for the Patreon and just get all those episodes and then unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> you could. Do it's that. not nice to do that. Uh, but that is absolutely something you can do. <laughs> you can. If you were us, you might do that. Yeah. And, um, and you know, if you wanted to, you know, perhaps uh, make Bryn watch season one of The Sopranos. We are three patrons away from that. three patrons away from that. So uh, if you want to hear our Halloween spooktacular shit, uh, you can go there and do that. And that also give you a Discord access where we show the movie on Sunday that we're going to talk about on Monday. Um, and that'll be fun. Yes. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Generation Loss. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.